Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Uncommy Goods. Don't call me China, we'll call you. Now what is an uncommy good? Well, it's anything not made in communist China or any communist country, a country that is hostile to the US and also hostile to human rights. So I should mention that this episode is not sponsored by any product or service that I mentioned in the episode. So not only do I wanna focus on shifting consumer habits to not buying Chinese made goods, uh, I'll also promote American-made goods and link to where you can buy them directly from the source in the show notes, along with every article and website I mentioned in this episode. If you want to reach me, you can email me at uncommygoods at gmail.com. That's spelled U-N-C-O-M-M-I-E-G-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. I also have a link in the show notes where you can leave me a voicemail as well. So have a huge favor. This movement is growing and you can please help get the message out by subscribing, giving it a five-star review and uh, rating in iTunes. Again, don't call me China. We'll call you. Uh, So there's an article in the June 19th uh, issue of the Wall Street Journal titled How Coronavirus Will Reshape World Trade with the subheading In the post-pandemic world, more economic activity will be designated vital to national security accelerating pressures on globalization. So team, I got to tell you, the Wall Street Journal, it's probably the best newspaper out there. I recommend a subscription. I get a, I even get a paper delivery because I really like reading a physical paper and it's also employing someone here in the U.S. to deliver those papers. So as I mentioned in previous episodes, uh, this coronavirus pandemic, it really showed how vulnerable America was to the disruption of our supply chain. And it's a realization that we need to it's time to eliminate that vulnerability when it comes to our security, you know, short-term and long. So here's a quote from the article. Governments, including many longtime advocates of global trade, are using the crisis to erect barriers to commerce and bring manufacturing home. Japan now pays companies to relocate factories from China. French president, of all people, Emmanuel Macron, pledges full independence in crucial medical supplies by year-end. In Washington, Republicans and Democrats alike back new Buy American requirements for government health spending. So it's also, you know, this pandemic and issues with the, you know, personal protection equipment and difficulty getting here, it's not the first time that over-reliance on a global supply chain caused problems for a vital and strategic U.S. company. So do you guys remember the Boeing 787? It was really the first time that Boeing, a U.S. made com- a U.S. company, uh, tried to go global in building this plane. So normally they build them in the ground up in the same room. So think about the aviation industry. It's America versus them, and by that I mean it's Boeing versus Airbus. So here's a funny article I came across talking about the 787, and Trump was visiting uh, Boeing and talking about you know we need to build stuff in America just like the 787. Well. Joke's on you, bud, because the um, the Boeing 787, it's like this article that I found, is like the Dreamliner, um, the Dreamliner is like the United Nations of planes. So check this out. The wings and batteries come from Japan. Its wingtips come from South Korea. India provides the floor beams. The front fuselage is made in the U.S. and Japan. The center fuselage and horizontal stabilizers are from Italy. The landing gear and doors, France. Cargo access doors are built in Sweden. The wing 
slash body fairings, which cover gaps on the body, are from Canada. The movable trailing edge of the wings are from Canada as well, except for when they're from the US or Australia. The thrust reversers come from Mexico. Its engines come from either General Electric in the US or Rolls-Royce in the UK. Now, can you imagine that? For the first time, Boeing wants to build this plane, get the timing all right, everything's showing up in time from these different places. Uh, it's crazy. So here's an article I found from back in 2013 called What Went Wrong at Boeing from 2013. The goal was to reduce the 787's development time from six to four years and development cost from 10 to $6 billion. Now that's all fine and dandy, right? When you think you can do it and you put it together in a spreadsheet, but let's see what the article said. Quote, the project is billions of dollars over budget and three years behind schedule. We spent a lot of money. Or we spent a lot more money, Jim Albaugh said, um, chief of commercial airplanes at Boeing in January 2011. We spent a lot more money in trying to recover than we ever would have spent if we had tried to keep the key technologies closer to home. So you see that, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's all fine and dandy when it's all on paper, but when the real world variables hit, that's when you get complications, delays, you get the wrong products, you're dealing with unstable government, lax quality control codes, uh, potential for intellectual property theft. I remember years ago reading about the grand plan for the 787, and I thought, in my own simple mind, that it was too complicated. But it looks like I was right. Now, let's jump back to the Wall Street Journal article about pandemic impact on the vital production of um, goods. Quote, what the pandemic has done is highlight some of the ways that globalization may have gone a bit too far, said Peter Anderson, vice president of supply chain and manufacturing for Indiana-based engine maker Cummins, Inc., which, get this, has 125 factories in 27 countries. I'm not sure where the factories are supplying, but maybe it works, but it sounds very complicated to me. So, and then after a lot of disruptions to the supply chain, Cummins now wants to less global and to concentrate manufacturing closer to where the final goods get sold. I think that's a great practice and it should expand across nearly the production of as many goods as possible, especially when it comes to food production and distribution. And that's a whole different episode and you know I'll, I'll bring that up soon. Quote, global capitalism will have to be rebalanced, said Pascal Lamy, former general director excuse me, Director General of the World Trade Organization and now European Chairman of consulting firm Brunswick Group. That pre-COVID balance between efficiency and resilience will have to tilt to the side of resilience. Think about that. You know, efficiency can only get you so far. You need to be resilient as well. What good is being efficient if the production of that good is not resilient? Because check this out. Nearly 90 governments have blocked the export of medical goods to preserve supplies for their citizens, while 29 did the same with food, according to Global Trade Alert, a Swiss-based monitoring group. More than 70% of the world's ports of entry, air, sea, and land, restricted foreign travel. Some export curbs have been lifted recently. This is due to the coronavirus pandemic. The car manufacturing industry was impacted. You think made in America, you know, made in Japan, made in Germany. No. It's a, very, it's a big global industry. Quote, the concentration of global auto parts production in China's Wuhan area, sound familiar? 
the region where COVID-19 first emerged and the first place to shut down prompted assembly crimping shortages in Japan, South Korea, and Serbia. So you could have your act together in your individual country, but the fact that you're stuck dependent on a region out of your control in China shows how vulnerable you are. Now that's a mess, right? So what I'm going to read to you is it's a bit complicated and I wish I had a diagram that I could follow, but the quote from this article shows how bonkers and convoluted a global supply chain can be. Quote, at one point, China blocked Sweden's Molnike Healthcare AB from exporting gowns from Chinese factories to its Czech Republic plants for packing in surgical kits throughout Europe. Those Czech facilities were also hampered by Poland's decision to close its border with the Czech Republic, cutting off half the company's workforce. Now, I'm guessing maybe Czech and Poland, I guess people maybe you know, travel across the border to work like they do in Mexico and the U.S., but uh, I'd have to look into that. Back to the article. France barred Molnike from shipping masks stored in its Lyon warehouse to Spain and Italy, while the EU temporarily stopped exports from the company's Belgian distribution center designated for nearby non-EU members Switzerland and Norway. When Molnike was unable to fulfill plans to ship products from that Belgian center to the Middle East, Morocco stopped the export to Europe of the caps and scrub suits the company makes in Morocco. Now, just reading that uh, just kind of made me dizzy, and it just shows how crazy and convoluted a global supply chain can be and how easily disrupted it can be. And I, and I get it. it. It might be kind of fun to be some sort of global logistics expert. You, you know, you're planning the manufacturing and distribution of your company's goods, and you put it together in this like crazy little puzzle, and you maximize efficiencies and you lower costs, and you can show your boss, you know, look how much money I saved by, you know, having these three different areas and everyone specializes and, you know, hyper focuses. But, you know, it's like any sort of strategic sourcing manager, AKA a buyer, you know, they probably get compensated for lowering the cost of something. But I mean, they should get compensated for building a resilient and anti-fragile supply chain that can overcome or avoid any disruptions that we saw in within this pandemic. Well, you know, this article, there is some good news. Uh, Blake Moret, chief executive of Rockwell Automation, a Milwaukee-based industrial automation equipment maker, expects companies to reduce reliance on simple factories from a sole supplier for a crucial part or raw material. Quote, we are already seeing some manufacturers' plans to return manufacturing to North America, he said. Well, North America, I mean, that's three countries, so don't get too excited. That might not be, you know, the U.S. It could be Canada, Mexico. Um, yeah, we're pretty friendly with the, uh, both those uh, countries. So also as well, um, you know, the, the policies to, you know, add self-sufficiency, it's catching on to some governments that originally opposed President Trump's earlier attacks on globalization. Uh, none other than German Chancellor Angela Merkel has declared that when it comes to medical supplies, we need a degree of sovereignty in this area, or at least a pillar of domestic manufacture. Well, what do you know? It sounds like Angela Merkel wants to make Germany great again. And I truly hope, and I, I'm probably naively optimistic, that the pandemic and the observed situations and difficulty in managing these supply chains will drive manufacturing closer to home. What do you guys think, team? Will we start hearing and seeing production of vital goods moving back to the U.S.? 
Are we not going to let ourselves be at the mercy of countries like China the next time we need vital life-saving personal protective equipment? I really hope so. So uh, today's uncommon good um, is a American-made or American knife company. Uh, my buddy was reached out to me because he knows I'm doing this podcast, and he asked me what kind of knife he should buy. And you know, before I could even answer him, he did some research. He came across a company called Rada Kitchen Store. That's R-A-D-A KitchenStore.com. And I checked it out, and according to their website, uh, their items are guaranteed for life. It's 100% American-made, and they have 150 million pieces sold. And so apparently they have a reputation for having high-quality cutlery, uh, cookware, and stuff. And myself, I do love to spend time in the kitchen and cooking. And so I'm going to be checking out Rada Kitchen Store. Uh, It's linked to in the show notes. So let me know what you guys think. Do you think we're going to see more manufacturing um, from China and these complicated supply chains and logistics, moving more secure stuff closer to home so we're not caught with our pandemic down? I just kind of made up that right now. Uh, Also, again, please subscribe and provide a review on iTunes for the podcast and that helps get the word out. Thank you.